Hi there, welcome to Living the Liminal podcast. I am Christy Peck, an intuitive mentor, a spiritual guide, and the author of Coming Home, A Love Story. What if your wildest dreams could come true? There is this beautiful space between what is happening in our physical reality and what we dream and desire. In this space, we can find an uncensored peace, a true joy, and an all-knowing that there is so much more to life. Every week, my guests and I will show up and have conversations around living consciously in this space with courage, connection, and choosing to feel good, even in the uncharted and unknown moments. I am so thrilled you are here, and I look forward to sharing this sacred space with you. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Living the Liminal Show this week. I am so glad you're here with us. If you are new to listening, welcome to the podcast show. Um, this is a really fun platform. It's we, we have amazing guests. We talk about really cool, authentic kinds of stuff that you can use in your everyday. We, um, you know, we laugh a lot. We just let life happen as we're having these conversations. And we just are here for presenting information and new ways of thinking and living life. And that's really what liminal is all about is living in that present moment, the, the part that we can I don't want to say control, but I'm kind of going to use that word. That part that we have the most influence and power over is what's right here, right now. And of course it works with what my, my guest and I are going to talk about today. So I want to welcome to the show, Pat Shevlin, who literally has been in the healing profession since she was in her teens as a former nurse. Um, and then she, in 2015, became a certified life coach for the International Coaching Federation. And she's been holistically healing um, with families and helping people who are going through emotional trauma, grief, abandonment. Um, She is a certified Spring Forest Qigong teacher. She's a certified funeral celebrant. And her most appraised um, purpose, let's say, is she's a two-time bestselling author. And I'm sure it's going to be three time here any soon, because she has three books out. Her first book is how do I survive seven steps to living after child loss and living life in the middle, the caregiver's guide to healing, hope and harmony through multi-generational living. She has so much wisdom about family grief and all that good stuff. And her most recent book is a guide for helping clients process loss, the confident grief coach, which she even has her grief um, certification program, which we're going to talk about some of that today. So if you are anywhere on that grief spectrum, which we know it's a spectrum, Pat is your lady. So sit back. I know you're going to get a lot out of today. Pat, welcome to Living the Liminal. Oh, thank you so much. It's good to be here, Christy. Now, I got to tell our listeners, Pat and I have already had this conversation. We had it months ago. And, you know, the technology little um, elves decided to just poof the actual recording. We have no idea where it went. It just it just left Zoom and it wasn't in our Dropbox that we usually hold things until it's ready to be um, published. 
And so Pat and I had to reschedule a few times to get this special moment. So I'm sure you are in for a treat because it's now going to be even more expansive because so much has happened. Um, so Pat, you talk about that you believe your sole purpose. So the why you are here is literally to be a light to those who grieve. Yes. Okay. How did you, how did that find you? Because we're always searching for what's my purpose? What's my purpose? How did you know that? You know, um, I didn't know it until I was in my late fifties where it really was the light bulb turned on. And it was, um, when my mother opened up about a brother I had who died before I was born and my mom never talked about it. My dad never talked about it. This, my brother, Greg was not a subject in our home. He died when he was an infant at four months old. So he died before I was born didn't have any conversations or interaction with my family about that. But when he would have turned 60, which was when I was in my late 50s, my mom finally opened up about the deep chasm of grief mm -hmm. that she had been holding within for all those years. And because I was a coach and a nurse and her daughter and all that good stuff, I started helping her to unwrap all that grief and allow it to open up and give it air mm -hmm. so that she could process through that. She was in her late 80s. Also, during that same time, I decided to leave my corporate environment as an executive and go into the grief coach or into life coaching, as you had mentioned. And in order to be a certified life coach, you need to have coaching hours. Mm -hmm. So you have to hang your shingle up and actually do coaching right with live right. people yeah and so i just kind of put it out there that i'm starting to do life coaching and my first two clients were grieving moms so mm -hmm. right there immediately i had three grieving mothers wow showing up on my doorstep so to speak and that's when the light bulb went on like what's going on here i'm supposed to be doing something with this so the first question that comes to me is, how do you define grief? How do I define grief? It is a sense of loss, a sense of deep loss. So it's not necessarily the death of someone, but that's usually how we talk mm -hmm. about it. And it matters right. um, from that. But from my perspective, grief is just this deep sense of loss and the emotions and the, the path, the journey of working in those emotions and moving to the other side where you can regain peace and mm -hmm. a sense of purpose. It's almost like that grief almost, we lose ourselves into it. So. Yeah. So it's almost like a death in and of itself. Yeah. It's the loss of the loss. So we lose something external, whether it's a person, like you said, that's our typical way of thinking about grief. That's really our more infantile way of thinking about not that it negates it, but we only usually think grief. Oh, somebody lost something, but it's also like losing a sense of, um, you know, uh, security or losing your job or losing your health or losing like any of those can, can bring on that sense of another loss. 
Absolutely. I think it's almost like, like losing that sense of constancy, whatever that was in your life, you know, whether it's a pet, whether it is a, a, a job that you've been engaged in, whether it's a home, um, whether it is your health, you know, as we age, all of us, there's a grieving process when our bodies are not quite doing what we want them to be doing and feeling like they're failing. So yes, it's, it's all of that. And then some. Well, and so this new book, I want to talk about it a little bit first, and then we'll kind of backtrack back to the other books, because there, there's a common thread in all three of them. So it's right. not like one is completely different than the other. And some of your stories even sort of thread through yep. the confident grief coach. Okay. Those words, confident and grief kind of got me because that's a pretty tall order for feeling sturdy in a, some kind of a vulnerability, right? Was that purposeful in terms of like creating a vision? Absolutely. Um, so, well, I had a vision. I mean, that's really what kind of showed up. So I've been mm -hmm. doing one-on-one -on -one grief coaching and working with individuals who have experienced deep sense of loss and are looking to move um, in their life in a more positive way. But my mother died in January and I'm sorry. Was, oh, thank you. Um, she had a beautiful hmm. life. So um, it actually all all played out the way that it should have and could have. And I was glad I was able to take care of her all those years. So but she died in January. And what I was focusing on is when we talked the last time was working with caregivers and mm -hmm. multi-generational homes and all of that. And how do you just like maintain your self and have some flexibility and freedom and all that. So I thought that's really the path that I'm on is to really help the caregivers of the world. Right. Mom died. And then in February, I had like an epiphany and it was almost like a voice came down from the heavens and said, you're not done with grief yet, my dear. There is work to be doing in the grief space. And the caregiving piece is a part of that too. And um, I just had this vision that my program that I use, which I call the breathe model, the mm -hmm. um, coaching model for grief, is I wanted to get it out to more people because I can coach people one on one. Right. That's only impacting one person at a time, which is huge. I mean, it's huge for them. Right. But I wanted to see, you know, this model is so great. I'd really love to see more people stepping into being a support to those who are grieving. Yeah, so that's where I took my breathe coaching model and created it into a program to help people become confident if they want to work in the grief space, if they want to be a support for those who are grieving it, you know, and it's a wide variety, maybe they are working with caregivers, and they want to be able to support them. But grief is not something that we get really specially trained in. No, as, as a nurse, I maybe got Oh, I'm thinking of my nursing, maybe one chapter about Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's five, yeah. five stages of grief. Right. And that was it. And people, even I work in, you know, within the funeral industry as a certified celebrant, even those who are in the that funeral industry struggle with, I'm not sure what to say to people when they're grieving. I'm not sure how to respond. So that's why I wrote this book and created my certification program to help people feel really confident that I can go and stand beside someone, help them hold their hand 
as they're going through this journey to help them get to a place where they feel like they're more resilient and, and that they can have a life that's worth living after deep loss. Well, and I love the idea of confident grief because it also elicits a bigger vision of, right, of, of like, let's be confident in just owning our emotional space. Yeah. So if that's grief for a moment and that's where you're at, then, hey, you're training people to be the mirror for what the availability or possibility potential is for the other person who's feeling this emotional depth of yeah. despair and work and anxiety and worry and all fear and all that stuff that grief all this kind of attracts, right? It, it gets right. bigger and bigger. And so here's this coach sitting there saying, I can help you get to where you can live life again um, in the middle of whatever is going on for you. Right. And I like to say that grief and joy can coexist. Yes. Grief and peace can coexist. Grief and purpose can coexist. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. It can be both and. We can still feel our grief and, and I think emotions, it's important for us to process and feel our emotions. We mm -hmm. have emotions for a reason. Yeah. But to not become that grief emotion and, and all the different things that go with grief, but to find a way to still be loving and maybe missing that person or whatever that loss may be, honoring that, honoring ourselves, but knowing that we can have joy again. We can mm -hmm. go out and have purpose and really live a life that's really fulfilling. Yeah, because I mean, I, I like how you use the word journey, the grief journey, because when we think about like, like when you think about Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's stuff, that was literally stages. So you, if you think about a stage, you almost think about it like a ladder, like you got to step one, from one to the other, which means you have to leave all the other stuff behind. But a journey is like, you're carrying things along the path with you, you're Absolutely. taking with you. And don't you think that's usually what complicates grief is that we think it's in sort of um, like, it's the only place to be. And we're so afraid to get to move from there. Right. Um, and yeah, people will think, oh, I need to be here. So they're kind of getting out of, you talked about, you know, like being in the present moment and it's mm -hmm. almost like, well, I need to be over here. I shouldn't be mm -hmm. this far along with yeah. that. I was just thinking of a client that I just talked to. She sent me a message the other day and she said, you know, I'm just feeling so frustrated because her husband had died. And she said, I'm with my brother and his family and I'm resentful because I'm not going to have that anymore you know and and I reached back out to her and I said what if you give yourself the grace and honor that it's okay to feel that way in this moment knowing yeah. the moment it's okay to feel that way and stop expecting that you should be feeling different because when you shoulda coulda woulda that's when we start getting stuck because we're shaming ourselves almost that we're not in a different spot where we think we should be. Yeah. And we get kind of tangled up in all these other emotions that we think we are supposed to be feeling instead of, I liked how you use the word and because we can, we are so, we have such depth to our whole humanness and our spiritualness that we literally can feel multiple things at one time. So you can feel resentful 
at your situation and you can feel happy for your brother and his family at the same time. And wow, then that really gives the colorful richness to, to the whole entire experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be, and to not shame ourselves, you know, I see when people are in the depth of actively grieving, especially after the death of a loved one is they, they like put themselves on, well, I should be here or I shouldn't be feeling that anymore. Mm -hmm. I should, should. And it's like, no, those feelings are so important. I want you to honor them because when you do that in the present moment, that's where you start healing them. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, um, I had just delivered my second son and two weeks or a week before two weeks, I guess it was my, my cousin who I was very close to like a sister, um, died. So here I am, she dies two weeks later, I give birth. Okay. You've got the com you've got the, the combination of death and life within. And I remember I didn't know how to act because I was so overwhelmed with so many emotions. And I remember so many times thinking, here I am holding this baby boy that I so love. And and the world is expecting me to be in this joyous state. And I remember there were moments that I just couldn't hardly, that's why I love your quote, your, your, your theme of I really couldn't breathe at times while I was holding him. It had nothing to do with loving him less. It had to do with, I didn't know how to hold stable these two emotions because one, they were both so intense. It wasn't like one, it wasn't a balance. It was literally like, I felt like music that sounds terrible. That's what I felt like. like. There was no harmony in what I was going through. And the outside world put so much pressure on what it is supposed to look like. And I literally even had people say to me two and a half months later, well, don't you think it's time to be over this? Mm-hmm. And I remember like, again, another emotion would fly. I'd be like, are you, you don't get over these, these things have to just work themselves through and I'm doing the best I can, but I'm having to hold the tension of two very, very big things. And I don't know what I'm doing. Right, right. That's a, that's a perfect example because there is that. We have joy. We have joyous occasions and we have depths of deep sadness, anger, hurt, you know, all of that with the grieving process, abandonment and love. It's all mm-hmm. of that. So it's like, how do we find it so that they coalesce together and make it so, yeah. You need to feel it. And that's what I really encourage my clients and, and the new um, coaches that I'm training is be kind. We need to be kind to ourselves mm-hmm. to honor, to honor what we're feeling and to stop shooting, wooding, could have those things. Because once we start in the, that's where the acceptance come in. And then we can start taking steps forward. At, like, how do I get through this muck? How do I get? Yeah. And do you see grief maybe as like an opening and a culmination? Like it's the end and the beginning. Good question. Good question. Interesting question. 
Yes, I mean, you know, there's this thing that I'm a spiritual person. Mm -hmm. And something has, I don't know, I was reading it in A Course in Miracles. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, totally. Love that. Love it. There is no death. Yeah. There is no death. I mean, if we truly just like hone into there is no death, if we truly believe that there's something beyond this physical beingness that we're in, mm -hmm. then there is no death. And to me, then there is no ending. Yeah. It's just a continuum. And so then that, that would be the opening. Yes. Is that there's no end. And then, and yet the culmination is that the end is the end of thinking that there's so much limitation to this experience. And so it's kind of like an oxymoron in a way, like, like grief to me opens and makes way for so much more. And it also holds you stop in your tracks too. Holy smokes. There's something's got to, is shifting here. Yeah. It's, it's, Yes, grief, I believe you're right. And so I'm just thinking this out loud here. No, but I, I grief that question just kind of came to me the other day. Your heart, right? Yeah, it can yeah. feel shattered and broken, but grief also opens your heart in mm -hmm. a different way. Yeah. It's like, is it roomy or whatever? The the um it's the cracks where the lights shine in. Yeah. Type of thing. But yeah, it is both. And so Yes. And the ending is like that transformation, that transformative thought, that change in perception that, mm -hmm. hey, this is where we're at. And we do feel, I mean, we're human. We're here and, and to have this human experience. So when someone dies, it hurts. Yeah. We want to be able to touch them. We want that whole experience of having that, you know, touching the density of who they are. Right. But what I learned is especially with my mom dying, who was not a very, I mean, she was spiritual in her own way and her religion, mm -hmm. and her Catholicism and all of that. Right. But after she died, she has come in, her spirit has entered in in such a different way, in such a profound way that that's where the grief has just changed to joy because I get these messages, so to speak, daily. It's like, wow, this mm -hmm. is so cool. This is so cool that it truly is just a, a transition. It's not an end. Yeah. You don't leave. You don't leave. You're just yeah. still and here. And I think that's the culmination is that you finally get life in a much more expansive way than you ever did before. Yeah. Because it, it just continues. It just continues looking differently. Yes. Yes. So, okay, tell us about the breathe method because you talked about something being of air, right? When you're in that grief, you need air and you need breath. You need a fuel. I guess that's the word I'm looking for. Yep. You need a fuel that keeps you moving on that journey. And I mean, breathing is just simple. We do it automatically, but we do it different depending on the emotion we're feeling. Right. Yes. Well, it's interesting because, you know, having worked with many uh, grieving, especially mothers, but different people who are grieving the, the loss of loved ones or mm -hmm. relationships and different things like that. What happens when we're deep in grief, we have that, <laughs> we can't catch our breath. 
You know, we kind of take it in and it gets stuck in our chest and we forget to exhale. Yeah. And it's like, like you said, it's a natural thing. We should be able to breathe in and breathe out. I mean, this is a very natural thing. But when we're in the the trauma, mm -hmm. this deep sense of loss, the emotions just get stuck in our chest. And so when I was writing my first, taking all the information um, to create my first book and to create this model mm -hmm. for grief, and I just want to say, I didn't create it, really. It all came from all of my wisdom keepers were all my clients, really. Right. I yeah. worked for them and put it into a nice little package. But as I was creating it, all of a sudden, the acronym BREATHE just came to me. And so it's like, okay, that kind of makes step. I have steps here. Mm -hmm. not linear. But these are just like tools and resources and awareness and actions that people can take to help them move from point A to point EFG, whatever, right? And so that's the BREATHE method. So every letter of the acronym is a pro part of the process. So we start with the B, which is being aware of who you are. And that's where we really take a look at where, where are you starting at? What's your baseline? What's your emotional baseline? What's your life engagement baseline? Where are you at? Who are you doing some assessments as far as what are your strengths? What are some of the challenges that you have just because that's who you are, your personality, all of that. So right. we take a look at what's the baseline there. And really, I've been... Um, I'm steeped in positive psychology, and that's where my coaching education came from. So I really like to take a look at what are your strengths so that we can use those as you mm -hmm. as we forward to tap into your strengths. Then the next step is reimagining your life. That's the R in the Breathe program. So reimagining your life, I, I take people on a guided imagery meditation. I mm -hmm. call it the new ride. There's a twofold purpose for that. One is when we're grieving, it's very hard to just relax and breathe. Right. So the guided imagery, when people listen to my voice, they get very quiet and some fall asleep. Mm -hmm. But the other part of it is it's guided imagery. So it takes the person on a ride to really create what might their future look like. Mm -hmm. When people are grieving, I don't have them go out and do a one-year, three-year, five-year plan. It's like, let's just see where would you like to be in three or six months? How would you like to be feeling? What might that look like? Who would you like to be surrounded with? So yeah. it's all about creating that vision. So that's the, the second step is like getting them started into seeing that there is a future. Mm -hmm. Then the next step is one of my favorites, and it's called engaging your tribe. Mm -hmm. And um, I use tribe as my husband comes from an indigenous culture, and I have seen the importance of tribe mm -hmm. when my nephew died unexpectedly when he was 18. And it's really like finding the support system and creating your own tailor-made support system. Mm -hmm. I have one rule, cannot be yeah. a family member, because family members are grieving right along with you. Yeah. And usually yeah. try to lean into our family members and then they fall short because they're grieving and then it just creates more. Yeah. More, more tangled messes there. Yep. Tangled emotions, all of that. Uh -huh. so I really have my clients take a look at who is out there. And it's, it's a fun one for me because 
people don't like to reach out to other people and say, I could use some help. And we don't like to ask for help for one, because we see that as a sign of weakness when in actuality, it's a huge sign of strength. Right. And we don't want to burden anybody else. Right. With our emotionals. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't want them to be burdened with me. And so I have my clients do that. And it's just amazing because once they do that and they reach out to someone, the other person inevitably says, I am so honored and thankful that you reached out to me. I've been wondering what I can do to help you. Yes. Because I think that's the thing when you're in grief, it, you create your own barrier system to isolation. One, yeah. because the, the emotions are so intense and often our emotional stuff is what blocks us from even doing anything, right. feeling it or reaching out. And then we don't want to put that emotional space right on someone else because right. that's a whole other level. And yet that's exactly what we need is to have somebody that can be the sounding board. If nothing else, just to say you are okay right now, it's yep. fine to feel the way you're feeling it, you know, just to, just to see you. Yep. To see you, to hear you, to honor you, whether they say anything or not to just, yeah. Be yeah. That space. And you're right. Um, almost the, the one commonality that I see when people are really struggling in their grief is their world becomes very small. Mm -hmm. They, they do cocoon in and their world becomes very small. And then it gets even more difficult to reach out as their world gets smaller and smaller. Mm -hmm. So I think that's just so important. And then I have clients take a look at what's your agreement. I call it your treaty, but what's your agreement that you and the people that you chose, I have them actually go and, and interact with these people and say, I'd like you to be part of my tribe. I'd like you to, you know, hold this responsibility with me. And in turn, this is what I commit to doing for you that if you call and check in on me, I will answer the phone. Oh, yes. Call you if I'm in this kind of a state. So there's actually like this commitment. And when we commit to one another, we tend to hold our commitments much better than if yeah. we think about it. So that's engaging our tribe. And then the next step is accessing our own inner healer. We know that when we're grieving and we're dealing with a lot of emotions that we might want to consider like negative emotions, it can cause wreak havoc physically, mm -hmm. not just emotionally and mentally, but physically on our bodies. So I have my clients just work through creating their own like health and wellness toolbox. Hmm. And I use, I'm into acronyms. I'm the acronym queen, I guess. I call <laughs> it the faith toolbox and hmm. it stands for finding awesome inspiration to heal. And so oh. I have and list, take 10 things that, you know, calm you down, mm -hmm. them down on a list and then put that list somewhere so that when you're in the depths of feeling so awful, and you can't like calm down that you can point to something on that list and go, I'm just going to do that. I don't even have to think about it. And it could be as simple as I'm just going to step outside the door and breathe in some fresh air and take three slow. I days. love how you say inspiration to heal, because so often we think it's like healing modalities are these humongous, big, you know, extraneous kinds of activities and they bring about a humongous internal 
reaction or action, um, like a, like a solution and your things are inspired. So that means you just need to get into a flow of energy. That's just going to raise you a little, not even like it's going to transform you. It's just raise you a little from where you are right now. Beautiful. That's, that's exactly what it is. I love that finding awesome inspiration to heal. Love that. Okay. Keep going. I'm, I'm just having so many insights. Okay. Um, okay. Where am I? So, okay. So, and so we, other things in here, like gratitude exercises, mm-hmm. we there's studies out there that if we do consistent gratitude work every night before we go to bed, just listing out gratitudes that within 30 days that can shift us into a more happier frame of mind. Yes. Uh, I talk about, you know, I do Qigong because I mm-hmm. trained in Qigong, but there is just so much that we can do just to move our energy and taking ownership. It's empowering ourselves, mm-hmm. being dependent on others to find that awesome inspiration to heal and just feeling better and, and starting to work on our physical health. And it starts with our emotional because we know words and emotions will impact us. So let's bring in the positive. Yeah. Every yeah. we have. So that's um, with the, uh, our own inner healer. And then oh, accessing our own inner healer. Then the next one is the T in the breathe acronym. And that's transforming your view. Mm. And it is is like shifting our perceptions of things. A lot of times when we have gone mm-hmm. through a trauma or tragedy, we may have thoughts about other people or definitely about ourselves. I was just talking to an individual today that a lot of times we carry a lot of guilt. Mm -hmm. What is guilt? I was saying that guilt to me is like anger turned inwards. And he's like, it's almost like self-hatred. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. wow, you know, there is that piece of that. Mm -hmm. So we know that we carry so much of that. So I have them you know, just really take a look at how might we reframe the story, change up the story, create the story into one that feels more manageable. Mm -hmm. You know, if my son died from an unintentional death by overdose, you know, heroin laced with fentanyl, Mm -hmm. there's so much there. How can you reframe some of that to make it a, a story that's, you know, thinking about your son in maybe a different aspect or, you know, that type of thing, Mm -hmm. just changing it up. So it's something you can live with and transforming that view and using forgiveness as a way Mm -hmm. of healing. Yeah. I was talking to my kids the other day about a situation that we're all um, experiencing. And I, I said to my son, you have to kind of muddle through your thinking and you're feeling on this and get to a story or a place where you have a peaceful heart. You can't carry weight on your heart. You have to get to a peaceful place here. And, and that just resonated with him. He was like, Oh, I said, so take from these experiences, take what you, what will help you put a puzzle together or put pieces together to create an image that allows you to have a peaceful heart which would include then your forgiveness yes, because it's all included. Yeah. That's beautiful. That beautiful way to describe it. 
is to yeah create for a peaceful heart like i had some clients where um it was a, a mother and a father and their son um died by suicide mm -hmm. and so uh, very hard didn't leave a note or anything and so they're grappling like how do we how do we wrap our head around this and why 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 he had a great life and all of this and then it was like, okay, let's like recreate the story. Well, this individual, he had a lot of health issues. Mm -hmm. So they said, you know, it was, it was some confusion with the health issues. And that most likely is what caused that very quick act. And we can feel the love mm. and the compassion for him, knowing that now we feel like, you know, he's not dealing with that constant turmoil and confusion around his physical condition and challenges that he was dealing with and it helped them shift it and then oh. they said you know what what we're going to do on his behalf is we are always going to create acts of kindness that's mm. what we're going to move forward in life is to always create acts of kindness for others that's so beautiful because, you know, we hear things like love wins, right? And we hear that the best solutions are win-win. And, and if you think about all that, then to get to a peaceful heart, you have to create the narrative that allows for you to see each other's wholeness, to see the love in each party, the one who has departed and the one who is part doing the partying of it all in the present moment. It's so beautiful when we can transform those narratives. Yes. So it's not transform the situation. It's transform the narrative to a peaceful place. Yes. Perfectly said. Yes. To a story that allows for life to continue versus life has ended. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, wow. Okay. Keep going. This is so fun. Yes. And so then after you know, people get through that because I think that's important. Then the next step is honoring your loved one okay. and honoring your own grief. So it's a twofold process. So oftentimes we forget to really create some ceremony around that. And I think that's so important. I learned that growing up in a household that was shrouded in grief, but none of us knew why. Mm. If they would have had a ceremony for my brother or an ornament on the tree where we could talk about just to be able to have that connection i think life would have been very different for my parents it would have my brothers and i would have had a whole different connection with that and mm -hmm. it may have changed it would have changed the energy in, in our household and it's hard sometimes to do that but as i was researching it you know i meet with people and i talk about grief even when i'm getting my nails done right <laughs> and the cultures yeah. and different different cultural mm -hmm. aspects and so i was asking um the gals where i get my nails done so they're vietnamese and and so i just was curious like so what what happens when someone dies you know and their grandmother had died and she's like, well, we have these ceremonies. And so, you know, right after the death, we light incense and we have these ceremonies and have food. And then it goes to once a month and then it goes to mm -hmm. every six months and once a year. But they always set a plate mm. at yes. the table. And so I said, so what do you believe when someone dies? Where do they go? And she's like, oh, they're right here, right here. 
And that's why they set the plate at the table. So I think those are just honoring ceremonies. When my nephew died, um, going to um, the tribe that came together mm -hmm. at the reservation and how the whole community came to lift up the family and hold the family, mm -hmm. so important. And the four day wake where yeah. Holman's body was never left alone, all of that. It was just like so amazing because you really got steeped into allowing the grief to be there, but kind yeah. of bringing some normalizing, I guess, to it yeah. that happens. And so we're going to honor this. And then they do a beautiful ceremony called wiping of the tears where actually you allow the, the, the tears to wipe away the tears and allow that spirit to not be tethered to earth, but to be able to expand and, and move freely into oh, wow. that beautiful life. So those honoring ceremonies are so important. And when we come up to an anniversary date, mm -hmm. it's really important to, you know, sometimes we may just want to stay in bed and, and put the covers over. Yeah. But if we go and do something that just feels right for ourselves, whatever that right. means, it doesn't have to have a lot of people. Maybe it's just lighting a candle. Maybe well, and it, it seems like it's a, it's a symbol for life. Yes. So whatever you decide and however you decide to create ceremony, and it can be singular, meaning you yourself are doing it by yourself, or if you have more people around to actually have more of an elaborate ceremony, it's really just you're honoring the symbol for life. That yes. life is not just what we physically can touch. Life it goes on and on and on. It never ends. And, and part of that too is, and I love that you said that because I actually talk about consciously connecting. Yeah. Because a lot of people are like, oh, I don't get any signs or I don't, I don't see, I just don't, it's not there. And so I actually have them do some exercises of consciously connecting with their loved one. Mm -hmm. conversations journaling writing letters because once they start that and they're opening up to the possibility of then things start shifting and they start seeing signs now i can't tell you whether they're really signs or not but does it really hurt to believe in signs is it going to harm you probably not my mother comes in numbers it brings me joy every day mm -hmm. when i look at a clock unexpectedly and the number 1111 is there. Well, and I think there's really no problem unless we create it in our mind that it's a problem to believe, right? I mean, believing is literally abundant. It's yeah. like, it's limitless. It's believing is life, death, life. It just is, it's never ending to believe you have so much availability to believe. So who cares if right. you believe that that number is your mom and it brings you joy in the midst of you living without her again, holding the tension between two opposites, who cares? Right. We right. don't have to have scientific proof all the time. It's about, is this bringing your life up? Is this allowing you to live fully? And if that's what allows you to live fully, then Hey, if you see, you know, an animal and it makes you think of so-and-so, or if you hear, um, I know just, the, uh, yesterday, I think it was, I walked into the kitchen and I had a smell and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so-and-so like yeah. I knew instantly. And then I walked out 
and thought, is it really, am I even smelling that? And then I walked back in and I just started laughing because I thought, who cares? That made me think of her. It brought me a smile. And, and if we think about good feeling, joy, smiles, uplifting, that's the way we should be living life consciously. Right. Right. And that's why I love that connection. connection. And once we do that and we make it a habit, then it just happens and we don't have to consciously do it anymore. It'll just show up. And then you're going to have that smile on your face. You're going to smell that smell. You're going to see that number. You'll see the cardinal, you'll, whatever the, the butterfly, whatever it is, right. And you'll see it more and more. Yeah. Because you're, you're open to it. Your eyes yeah. are like aware. So that's a very important piece. And then finally, the last part of the breathe method is to entering into a life of purpose. Mm-hmm. This is what I know, and I'm sure you believe it, is we heal by serving others. Mm-hmm. As we get out of our own muck, we get out of our own beingness and we're here to be of service to others so what's our purpose and that could be so wide and so broad it doesn't have to be that you're standing on stages and doing anything it could be simply being a wonderful parent yeah right you know it could be those type of things um and so i really help the client take a look at because that's what they come to me is saying Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm, I don't even know why I'm here anymore. What am I supposed yeah. to do? Or I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. I right. don't know what I'm supposed to do now. And, and you know, our souls come here to experience love. And when we finally get connected, like you said, that conscious connection to that part of us and the higher consciousness part of that as well, our purpose then unfolds. It reveals itself. And sometimes through pain and sometimes through grief and sometimes through a lot of other experiences, we understand our soul here is here to have these experiences and your purpose just reveals itself amidst all of that. Right. And it's always about who and where are you going to serve? You now have this, you know, huge amount of emotional development, this understanding of connection, this ability to see signs and to witness life moving on. How are you going to go out and share that now? Yeah. And so many people say, Oh, with my loved one gone, I have so much love in my heart and I don't know where to give it. The world awaits. The world awaits. Right. (laughs) It's so, I mean, yes, that you have an abundance of love and when you can open up your heart, Mm-hmm. And with others, that's really where the healing, true healing occurs because you are focused on what we're here to do. Yes. Love one another, serve one another, be kind, be compassionate. Yes. And, and that's what's interesting is when I opened up and developed the certification program, it was for coaches, mm-hmm. kind of my whole idea. But guess who's showing up? grieving family members going, I really want to be able to support others as they're going through their journey. I would love, can I do this? Can I do this without having, you know, a psychology degree or I didn't get certified in coach? Can I do this? And I'm like, absolutely. You have the lived experience. And you know what? Any, 
you're so right by saying that because anymore, I feel like where we are shifting our consciousness is that there is a wealth of wisdom that is extracted from the lived experience. And it almost sets you up for way more success than having the certification or the, the school knowledge, you know, the degree in some sort that's only going to get you so far, but the lived experience of the human capacity to heal, transform, change, see things different, that that's abundant. That's, and that's really going to heal so many people. Yeah. And it keeps us staying in that flow. Absolutely. Building that resilience and keeping our light and being elevated, right? Keeping our energy, keeping our loved ones alive because we get to tell their story over and over and over again, and let it be the inspiration to heal others. So it's sort of like landing a a pebble in the water. The ripples just continue to grow. Yep. Yep. Perfect. Yep. That's it. That's it. You got it, girlfriend. Okay. That's it for today because that's just, I mean, wow. Your program sounds amazing. Your books are so awesome to read. They're, you know, I find them simple, practical, wise, just things you can do in your everyday and yet they move you. So your stories are so beautiful and your, your clients that allow you to tell their stories are beautiful. And this is the type of work I think we are shifting into. We need to have coaches and people in that, that profession that have lived experiences that can help us get into the psyche and the emotional, um, transitions that need to happen. Yes. yes. So we're not carrying on and thinking we're doing differently, but we're really not. Right. And as we heal this, we heal generations to come. Absolutely. Yes. One heart to another heart. It's just heart to heart here. Yep. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, Pat, this has been amazing. Uh, where can people get your books? They can go to my website at healingfamilygrief.com. Okay. And I have links to free books. We can get any one of the three that I've done Okay. um, and order one or all of them. Like you said, there's a lot of similar things between all of them because they're like the same type of things that we, because your journey has led you here. So of course you're going to thread in all of these things and they're, it's just amazing how you take one story and you just keep molding it and shifting it. And it's incredible. It's just incredible. I think it really does show the true meaning of life right there. Yeah. 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 And can I just tell you, this is the circle of life. So my mom died in January. Uh Uh-huh. We lived in a multi-generational family. So with my son, my daughter-in-law, my mom was there. I'm there all these four generations. My son and daughter-in-law got pregnant quite immediately after my mom passed. And now the new baby. So nine months later, here's this beautiful soul Mm. named after the grandmothers who now is just bringing this level of joy that is beyond comparison. And you can just feel the energy of my mother and the grandmothers just coming and just, you know, bringing forth into our family. That's the circle of life. 
I love that. I love that. And I love, we didn't get a chance to really dig into this multi-generational piece, but your books tell the beautiful story of that, of again, love and forgiveness and understanding and the importance of communicating and, and seeing each other fully, you know, a representation of love fully and wholly. So I encourage our listeners to get your books and and if they're in those, those caregiving kinds of roles, they're definitely very helpful to helping you get centered every day on what your purpose is there. Yeah. So again, I, I thank you so much. And as we wrap up, I want to ask you our high five questions. So okay. what inspires you? Oh, what inspires me? My grandchildren and my clients. Oh, yes. Really. Yeah. You, you're, you, you sound like you just have amazing clients. I love that. How do you have fun? I know what you're probably going to say, but say it anyway. How do I have fun? Uh-huh. I, I love to dance. Okay. I forgot that you love to dance. I was thinking you were going to say something about your grandkids, but then I remembered the last time you talked about dancing. my motorcycle. I have. A- oh, oh, that's what it was. It was the. <laughs> I forgot you. <laughs> I think I'm doing the dance thing now because it's becoming winter in Minnesota and I can't ride my bike. So dancing is kind of my thing now. I need to see a picture of you on that bike someday. I'm telling you. Um, okay. What's one thing you cannot live without? Oh, love. Oh, yes. Yes. Universal. That's a universal. Yeah. What does freedom mean to you? Freedom's just another word. <laughs> Janice Joplin just came in. Um, what is freedom? I think mean? you're wanting to dance for us. I think probably, <laughs> yeah. Um, what does freedom mean for me? Freedom just, oh, that's a good question. I guess freedom to me is just to be able to play full out, mm-hmm. to be totally self-expressed, and to be unconditionally loved and to unconditionally love others. That's what... Oh wow okay we do have one more question but i could have ended on that one that just grabbed my heart what are you grateful for life Mm. yeah that everyday kind of stuff it's so fun so all-encompassing i just there's just not one thing i'm grateful for it's all of it that's beautiful Thank you so much again for joining us today. And thank you for doing this again, since we sort of, I don't even care that we lost the first one. This one has been incredible. This uh, Things happen for a reason, right? Yeah. I'm not complaining at all. This has been so lovely. So we'll have all of Pat's information where you can get her books, books and her website so you can access her. And my friends, thank you so much for listening to Living the Liminal today. Thank you for being here. Remember, you are both student and teacher. So take what we've talked about today, take it in as your in your life as the student, and then turn it around and teach somebody else. Because you know what? You matter. You matter. You're important. You're a beautiful soul. I love you. Peace out, my friends. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you have any questions, we provide for you the show notes. You can email me at Christy at ChristyPeck.com. Or if you are listening on the cool feature on the Anchor app, you can leave a voice comment or a voice question, and we'll be collecting those and using them on future shows. How fun would that be? 
You know, recently, a good friend of mine gave me this quote and a gift over the Christmas holidays, and it really has resonated with me, and I want it to be a part of our our great presence of the year 2021. Be bold enough to use your voice, brave enough to listen to your heart, and strong enough to live the life you've always imagined. Whatever you've taken from today's episode, share it with someone else. Share the learning that you're acquiring every single day by being more aware in your life, by being awakened in your life, by being brave enough in your life, by being bold enough in your life, and by being strong enough in your life, because you really, really are. May you have a joyful week, remember who you are, and live the liminal. I love you. Peace out, my friends.